So I just finished watching your Macho Man truck video. <laughs> okay. It's pretty good. That that truck looks awesome. Yeah, the guy did a good job, huh? Yeah. Was he from down in your end there? Well, Chad Buckland is from, well, he's living in Florida right now. Yeah. But uh, the guy that helped him with it, uh, Morris Ashkenos, he's uh, he's from up in uh, Pennsylvania, actually. Oh, really? Wow. No. <clears throat> so they were the guy. One guy worked on the truck. The other guy worked on the body, and uh, they debuted it at at our event. That was actually uh, event we sponsored. It was uh, the event put on by Matt Stolt and, and uh, the guy Morris. Uh, they ran a monster cross, which was a combination of monster trucks and uh, road course racing. Road course off-road racing. So looked, it looked had fun. a lot of yeah. a lot of crossover appeal. Hmm. See, that's um, that's my type of racing now. To be honest with you, I wouldn't mind doing. You would that. like it. Yeah, I would like I would love it. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Looks really cool. That track look look fun too, man. Out in They spent some time. They spent some time building it. Beaver PA. The Beave. Is that what you call it? I guess as it was on the track there, the Beave. <laughs> yeah, the Beave. Leave it to Beaver. It's a good one. Yeah. So that's out near uh, Pittsburgh, right? Is that where that was on? Honestly, I don't, I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of Beaver, PA, but uh... really? Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think um, it exists. That's kind of a made up. I think you guys made it up. It's got to be out okay. west. All these places in PA, I never heard of, are out west, so. Let's take a look here. Let's see how far it is from me. They got these things on the phones now that you can... Um, they have, like, maps on the phones and, and GPS. Oh, you want to... Hey, this is... Uh, well, this is going to take us right back to the 96 Nats. Oh, great. It's, <laughs> it's right below Newcastle, PA. Um, hmm. Beaver, PA, yeah. You know what? Um... Wagon Hill's first track was over at Grove City, now that I'm looking at the map here, right off Interstate 80. Um, so it was slight, uh, it was slightly north of Newcastle, northeast. Uh, Grove City, that's where the first track was located at. Uh, yesterday on we did a, a podcast on the Anchor app. The rip cast drive through, and we were talking about the uh, 96 Nationals. Go figure. And uh, I mentioned that uh, I raced there at their first track before they moved to Newcastle. So the first one was at Grove City. But yeah, Beaver's right below Newcastle, so that's cool. Not hard to get to from, from oh. me, really. It's about five hours. <clears throat> really? Yeah, about four to five hours. Straight out That's 80, far. though. All i got to do is jump right on the highway here and go right out. Hmm. Well, that's cool. 
But yeah, that seems like my more that's my type of racing now, Jason. I can see that being on your on your level. Yeah, I would like to do that. Monster truck racing. That looks like fun. I couldn't do these cars today. Jesus. Racing against these young guys. I'd rather go out there and have some fun. Hmm. I think you would. It's it's a lot of fun. That was a good video. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check Jason's uh, J Concepts. Um, what do you call them? The vlogs. Yeah, vlog. <clears throat> vlogs. Yeah, I mean it's something that you, you know it's a thing that not everybody sits there and listens to all that stuff. And I mean we realize that you know it's for a certain percentage of people that want to, you know, listen or get that in depth. But, you know, I, sometimes I think it's important to kind of roll back on some of those things and discuss them and bring in different trucks and things that we have at the races and bring them, you know, bring them into our garage and we can give people a little closer look at some of these different trucks and talk about the events and go over it with Fred and it's not easy uh, you know to you know to kind of recount all those things and you know go through the effort but we try to do it for the people that enjoy it and and obviously we get a couple people that say you know they love it more of it you know great great video and then there's those couple guys that every time we put a video up Mm mm-hmm it gets like a thumbs down right away. Really? There's some there's some guy that follows us. It's not me. That his only goal his only goal is to give us a thumbs down <laughs> every time we upload a video. Oh. So, um, it's probably Joel. Thanks to him. Thanks to him <laughs> for. Uh, I guess I'm assuming it's a him. It could be a her. That's true. But uh. Yeah, every time. Video upload, thumbs down. Hmm. But, I mean, obviously we get a lot of thumbs up, too, but it's just kind of funny that it's like, did this guy actually listen, you know, watch 17 minutes of this video and then... No. And then go thumbs down. I think he just comes up and he just puts thumbs down and that's it. It's probably the same person that trashed us on iTunes and then when you looked at... When you looked at all his other reviews that he gave, he like trashed everybody on everything. You know, it's funny. That's a lot of work to sit there and trash people. It is. It is. Well, I know how that goes too. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but hey, you know what the hell? Who cares? It's fun. I liked the video though. It was good. I watched the whole fourteen minutes of it. I think that was a fourteen minute. Yep. Yeah. That was good. It's a super cool truck, and um, what if there was other wrestling uh, themed trucks there at that race? Uh, I don't think there was many at that race, but back in those days, there was quite a few because WWE got in on some sponsorships, and then uh, what the hell is the name of the other? Had Stone Cold Steve Austin's w- truck. No, no, WCW. Yeah, yep. then WCW got involved, and they had a bunch of trucks. Yeah. Which, 
I think almost all the WCW trucks were Bigfoot trucks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so huh. it was like... You know, they had the Hulkster, and they had uh, the Stinger. Mm-hmm. They had um, the Macho Man. That was a Bigfoot truck. You know, they had several of them. Oh, I, I didn't really watch monster truck racing at that point, but kind of with talking about some of the stuff, I you know, I end up going back and looking at some of it. And I asked Fred, I'm like, man, I don't... Um, Oh, they had Hollywood Hogan. They had that truck. Mm-hmm. And you'll bump into these on the internet. And I'm like, it's like, is this real? <laughs> I also was watching the uh, 96 and 97 videos. Because I was like, you know what? I really don't remember like how Bing did in 97. So I went on YouTube and searched the, uh, searched the race out. So okay. it was... So you were you were looking for how Bing did. Well, I was, yeah, sure. I was like, wow, he came off that big win in '96. I was just like, yeah, I wonder how he did in '97 because I can't remember. But then when I watched the video, I was like, oh, I remember that track, and yeah, I think he finished like seventh or something. But then I was also checking Jason run around the track too, him and Kinwald battling mm-hmm. out and the feud that those two have to this day we were feuding <laughs> I guess some great races there man and you guys mm-hmm. complained today yeah. about um, people like oh he, he bumped me and he didn't wait for me they didn't wait back in those days yeah you just had Kenwell jumps on the wrong side of the track hits his guy <laughs> that was his like teammate yeah Yeah, I mean, you found some pretty funny pictures of me, and it's it's amazing that, uh, you know, that's 21 years ago now. That's crazy, isn't and, it? Yeah, it's, it is crazy because you're like, man, now you're starting to see these photos, and you're like, wow, I really looked a lot younger. Wait a minute and, here. This Hollywood Hogan monster truck was is built on the big four chassis that you own? That's correct, yeah. So you own the Hollywood Hogan truck? Uh, well, it was Bigfoot 4, and see, they had a, you know, they had a deal yeah. with WCW. Uh, Bigfoot had a deal with WCW, so they did a certain amount of shows with those different bodies on them. Oh, my God. And one one of the shows they did with Hollywood with Bigfoot 4 with the Hollywood Hogan body on it. So kind of cool. And that wasn't, you know, the only one. They put different ones on there. You know, they had Snakebite on there, Bigfoot, of course, and mm-hmm. Hollywood Hogan and others. So. Wow, oh, great. That's awesome. Cool picture. All right. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you uh, own that chassis in Bigfoot 4. Wow. Can't wait to see what you do with it. I have some news. There's some new, a little bit of news to report on that, but anyway. Oh, okay. Wow. We don't have to talk about it right now. But. No. Well, I'm excited about that. Can't wait. Ron, are you here? I'm right here. Yeah, Ron, sure, everybody. Welcome to the show, Ron. 
Well, thanks for having me. Gotti Jr. here, and I got this guy here that you might know too. His name's uh, Jason Rona. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured. What's happening, Ron? Oh, it's just a beautiful, balmy, ninety-degree day out here, having fun building motors up. Oh, really? Okay. That's, yeah. That's my afternoon so, uh, job is to, uh, to keep ahead of inventory, keep building them up. Hmm. Good. So you're building the next winner. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> of course. We're always looking for the winner. Oh, we've been doing pretty good with uh, the new generation motor, so I'm, I'm I'm quite happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you might want to explain before we even get started uh, for uh-huh. people that don't know your two uh, positions right now and between sure speed and, and hobby wing and then we'll we'll kind of go back do a little back in the time machine we'll catch up and then we'll come up to the current stuff sounds good yeah right now i'm currently uh, uh the owner for, uh, or whatever you want to call it of sure speed uh, it's my little baby and i take care of everything from designing to uh building them up and and so forth and then uh, several years ago, I became the team manager for uh, Hobby Wing, and uh, doing that uh, little project uh, um, gets me around the country with uh, yourself, Jason, and uh, out to some other places, but uh, keep up after the team and lend some development time and help to bring us better speed controls. So it keeps you busy between uh, both sides. Kind of both ends. Hey, when you're the, retired, you got to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Very busy. Uh, I, so, I love this hobby, very passionate. So yeah, I just uh, I'm very busy. So we'll jump back a little and uh, kind of talk about how you kind of got got started. You know, in uh, in RC. And, you know, we won't have to go over every little detail because I know we're going a, a ways back. But, uh, you know, we talked to Paul Sicarello last week. And um, I didn't realize how far back he went uh, oh, yeah. in RC and, and, and slot cars. And, and I got a feeling that you've uh, been around um so yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I started. Uh, oh my gosh, I started playing with um, slot cars and um, did that from uh, probably like eight years old. Uh, traveled all over racing slot cars through the mid seventies. Um, had a chance to race with people like Gene Hustings, Mike Reedy, uh, Ernie Privetti, Ken McDowell, um, Rick Davis, Buddy Bardos tons of people um, who all popped up as we all graduated and migrated over to RC sometime uh, in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, uh, I enjoyed uh, uh, being able to make the switch over to controlling something outside the slot and um, started racing uh, where you built the cars up pretty much from scratch uh, when I started uh, in 77-ish, 78 somewhere, 
uh, just before the AE brought their new car out. But I've been going to Roar National since the Fremont Nationals, which I believe was 1980. And um, so I've, I've had a, a very fortunate uh, chance out there meeting all the guys that are still around today and racing and Bob Novak and, you know, Sean Ireland is still around, Kent Clawson, a bunch of those guys. Uh, Joel, uh, Dieter, blah, blah. Um, so going through all that time, uh, got sponsored, especially knowing all them through slot car days. And then uh, living in Cleveland at the time, started uh, the club up there called Norcar with uh, Don Smolik. They had a hobby shop. And since Ken was a family friend as well as a sponsor and so forth, we started the Cleveland Indoor Champs in 1981, which is in April of 81. Mm. Um, that was pretty successful, and we moved it over to the Thanksgiving weekend that year. And it's still going today. So it's pretty cool to see that happening. Um, I raced in the first Worlds when it was stock and modified back in Anaheim. Um, I moved that to Europe uh, with <laughs> no on road. I'm not an off road okay. guy. I didn't get into off road until a little while ago. Um, uh, moved over to Europe in 1984, 85, and got to race uh, primarily in Denmark, the Netherlands, Germany. I got to do a couple of European championships. Uh, that's where I got to be good buddies with Oscar and Jurgen and, and Christian Kyle and bunch of other people um came back here and uh moved back to the u.s to move out to anaheim here in uh, 88 89 time frame mm-hmm. uh in time and then i uh, was playing with uh, the old uh, pan cars uh mod pan cars and had some success in uh 91 norca nationals beat record for the win on that one uh, 92 Worlds in Pomona. Um, the only person I, I beat in the main, which I was pretty excited to be in the main, was Barry Baker. So that's my uh, fame <laughs> Barry there. Barry got 10th? Uh, Barry got 10th. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> if you only knew Barry back then. <laughs> mm. Oh, I did. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I know you did. But uh, I left about 12 years uh, uh, to uh, run our uh, manufacturing sales software consulting company and then came back, um, just couldn't stay away, you know how it goes, and uh, started racing here at the old SoCal Raceway on-road again. And um, long story, but got involved with Tyree and Bob Novak and then started working with them um, switch, making the switch from brush to brushless motors and help them do a lot of testing with the brushless motor thing. Um, and wow. ended up, uh, I don't know, I'll just jump ahead. I ended up going over to work when my buddy, uh, Bill Jarek was president of LOSI. Uh, they were looking for somebody to develop a line of RTR racing brushless speed controls and motors. And that was the old accelerant line. And, um, yeah. so I got to go over there and work. Yeah, Matt, I don't know the exact time frame I started there. I was there about three years and got to work with uh, some old on-road friends, uh, Gil Losey and uh, Senior and Junior and Gary Kyes, Todd, Dino, and all those guys over there and came up with that. And um, 
after that time to relax a little bit and um that's where i started racing off-road and i uh, okay. went over to a, tra- a new track called ocrc after leaving los and just was hanging out there chilling out for <laughs> six months or so and uh met danny stajakovic of west coast raceway fame and um Helped him uh, put together uh, West Coast Raceway and partnered up with him and started Team Icon Racing, if anybody remembers that. And we had batteries, motors. Danny won a couple national titles with the motors. And uh, unfortunately, after much success, uh, West Coast Raceway dissolved and I started SureSpeed. And... Um, We've uh, been lucky with SureSpeed and enjoyed six national championships in the last five years, I think. And um, about three years ago, uh, worked out a deal where I was the Hobby Wing team manager after some discussions for about a year. And um, you know, I get I get out and out and about to somewhere around 20, 22 major events a year, and um, had a lot to do with input, design, testing coordinating testing for the XR10 uh, Pro and stock spec speed controls. So it's um, it's been uh, quite a quite a uh, um, road. Um, now you know how old I am. <laughs> so, and, and then where, where I started talking, the SureSpeed came out with the V4 motor, which is our fourth generation, and that's the one we've been having great success with. That's amazing. What what year was it that um, Novak came out with that brushless motor? It was some. Was well, it like was it like two thousand? For like. Uh, All I remember is being at the Chicago right. Hobby Show. I was working for Trinity at the time, and yep. it broke that. Br- <laughs> that Novak was there with a brushless motor, and uh, all I know is I was yep. having breakfast. The next thing I know, I was, I was being called into a meeting about. Hey, Novak's here with, uh, <laughs> with a brushless motor, and I'm, we were just like, what? You know, like, um, I, so it debuted at Chicago. Well, all I, think, I right? all I know is that that was announced in roughly 2000, but I think it was like two years or more later before it actually hit the market. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Ernie's a good friend of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Some may not think that, but I've raced for him uh, on and off a couple times over the years. And like I said, when I race slot cars, we've known each other since we were probably 14, 15 years old. Oh, wow. So, Jeez. Yeah. So we we may um, have our little spats here and there and, and kick each other, but deep down know. we all have a little respect for each other. Yeah. I mean, since 14 years old is pretty <laughs> incredible. Yeah, it is really. When you, when I was thinking about that, when you called Jason, I was like, holy crap, I'm way older than I think I am. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, it's just amazing, uh, you know, as you go along. I, everybody, though, is how long you've, in, when I say you, me, you, everybody, you, you've, known these people in RC. You know, it's yep. like you, you were talking about Barry Baker and when I first met him, I mean, it's like, you know, it's over 20 years easily. 
And oh yeah, I've, probably, I've been working with Bill Jarrett for th- over thirty years. I mean, I got him into the hobby. <laughs> it's nuts, huh? It's insane. <laughs> so it is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So uh, I was going to ask you a question. Um, um, kind of going back, you know, through the through the years. Uh, I was just going to talk about drivers for a second and, you know, from the slot yep. car days to 12 scale to the pan car days into, mm-hmm. uh, when you started with off road. I mean, who do you, who, um, who stands, uh, you know, who do you think kind of stands up top through those different generations of people that you saw during those days and really stand out to you as being the, the kings of those? Cl- years and generations well slot cars that had uh, a guy named and he's actually a pretty good friend Chan Limpaw mm-hmm. um, he was right up at the top um, Buddy Bardos was very good back then when we ran and then you had the the uh, New York Mafia guys Ernie and Bob Emmett and uh, Paul Gorski and oh my gosh I mean I can go on and then you had uh Joel Montague, and I mean, it's it just bringing all kinds of memories back, but those guys were pretty dominant. Um, mm-hmm. 12 scale, and I think having to race against and be around and watch Masami develop mm-hmm. uh, was pretty awesome looking backwards. Um, I think Tony Nisinger back in his day was right there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that come to mind. Um, I mean, Joel is obviously right there. You got uh, Kent, who won the first Worlds, Art Carbonell. I mean, um, that was some formidable stuff. Mike Lavico. Um, there was some, in that time frame, those guys were pretty darn quick. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Ralphie. I mean, the first race we started when Ken and I started the Cleveland Indoor Champs at the Cleveland uh, Arm or the was it Brook Park Armory or something. We had uh, Ralphie come up, and his dad had to come because he was too young to travel by himself. So I mean, watching him through the years too has also been pretty exciting and rewarding. Um, yeah. I haven't thought about that for a while, Jason. Yeah, it's amazing the people and then the, the guys that stand out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I got to race in Europe, I mean, Jurgen was no slouch back in the day. Um, Oscar was a, a, a terror to race against. I mean, those two guys have run you right down. I mean, Constance Paul <laughs> back in the day. I mean, he was pretty darn quick, too. And, uh, with Phil Booth over in England. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are yep. pretty darn quick. And uh, racing over there with them, I'll tell you, I never had so much fun going to races. I was going with them the way they did it over there. Really? Oh, it was a blast. It was so much what fun. Do you, what do you think was uh, special or different about it uh, versus how it was being done here? Um, they the, the races were a little bit 
Well, I'll just say, I think they were much more organized even back then. I mean, we'd show up right. a Friday, and there was a program that, I mean, it was like click, 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 click. This happened and so on. But I think the part uh, besides racing is we would go to a, a venue, and over there at the time, typically you would um, stay in the hall somewhere. They'd have places with cots or whatever, you'd roll out a sleeping bag. So everybody it was like one party the whole weekend. I mean, everybody was there. Everybody was serious when we raced. And then when the racing was over, I mean, uh, you might hear a pop of a beer or two and, and, and whatever else. And we just had a great time. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And even when we were in hotels, I mean, we all, it was just like a big group. We all had a great time. Morning time racing started again. But it was just, it was a lot of fun. I had a blast over there racing. And how long were you over there? I, raced, I was over there for just under four years and raced for about three, three and a half of them. Okay. And then uh, you mentioned when you came back over here, you ran some, some pan car stuff. And yeah, we were running a 10-scale pan car, correct. Yeah, and you made the A at the Worlds there at the ranch. Um, what was... I didn't get to go to that race. Uh, uh-huh. I know Paul 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 went, and I, I know he he had a blast. And but and I, what was that? Ninety two. Correct. I think ninety two, right? Uh, what yes, was, was what 92. stands out? What stands out to you about that race? Because I think there was like a twelve scale worlds that happened a little before that, right? Well, the 12th scale worlds were in 82 was the first one in Anaheim. And then uh, two years later, 84 was in Herning, Denmark. I think that was the next one in Singapore when Chris Dosik won. Chris was fast in the day, too. Um, mm-hmm. 88 was, uh, that was when I was over in Europe and I didn't travel to the world. I think it may have been in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, can't recall. Uh, then when I came back, I was running pan car because twelve scale out here was not. I mean, we ran some carpet twelve scale um, and had a blast, but pan car uh, on uh, the, the ten scale pan car out at the ranch pit shop was just awesome. You couldn't. I just couldn't mm-hmm. stay away. That was too much fun. Um, for the ninety two world, oh, yeah. what stands out is we had a great time. I worked with. Um, Tyree Phillips, and Tyree had an idea for a front end on a car, and I think TRC actually put it into production after the race, but there was three people that had one of those uh, front ends on their car, and and that was um, Mike Blackstock, who TQ'd. Um, Tyree, I think, was third qualifier. Joel was second, I believe, or maybe Tyree was fourth, and then I qualified, I think, ninth. Ninth or tenth, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was pretty neat to help develop that and have all three of the, the, the that setup make the main event. Yeah. So did you guys? You spent a lot of time out at the ranch, I assume, and you were able to kind of get dialed in. Yeah, we kind of we started with a rough idea when I when I did so well at the North uh, Nationals. Um, we, we had a prototype back working then, and then we did. Then Tyree just refined it 
and then uh, we got it really working um, by going there. Yeah, and I worked with Andy uh, Jacobson from Andy's Bodies. And mm-hmm. um, I saw just recently he's found those molds, got those molds back, whatever happened. And some of the bodies we used from back then, he's making again. So that was, but we worked with him and developed different little body uh, shapes for different type tracks and long tails, short tails. We did a lot of crazy stuff, I guess, looking backwards. And um, it all paid off. We were pretty quick. And, yeah. Uh, what was the hot body from Andy's? Was it the Mercedes? Was that the one that everybody ran? We ran the Nissan at that time. Okay. Mercedes was just after that one, shortly after. So we were running okay. the the, um, the long tail uh, Nissan, and then um, we flipped between that and the short tail. Okay. I liked the short tail. I didn't like the long, long tail. So I just remember it being felt too stuck. It didn't rotate well enough. And, you know, at that race... That was a big deal because uh, ten scale was getting really popular, or it was yes. at its peak. And then all of a sudden there was a world for it. And then, uh, you know, for many years I think Joel ran the associated cars, or mostly. And then Trinity decided to make a, a car, right? Correct. I don't remember the name if that was Reflex or whatever, but yeah, they did make a car. And, uh, Maybe Gotti Gotti was around a little bit. You had a Reflex <laughs> Ten. Is that what it was? I did not, but uh, I think it was the Reflex. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, how many people know that Gil was involved with Losi or Gil Losi was involved building the AE Pan cars, and that's why the L and the twelve L and ten L and all that. Yeah, I learned that once. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I that's that. pretty crazy. I know it's nuts, isn't it? Especially back then, like Los yeah, Associated I, were like you know at war kind of, and then you find yep, out and that Los, right? Yeah, on off road, and then you find out Losi Junior was part of that uh, design of the twelfth. It's like wow. You know, I had dinner with him a couple weeks back, um, oh, yeah. and he goes, he goes, man, I sure would like to come up. I've got a twelfth scale in my head that I'd like to develop. Oh. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> oh man! So uh, <laughs> everything's comes full circle, I guess. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, living out here is pretty I, good. You know, when I when I looked at or when I've I've watched some videos and some stuff with Gene Husting, uh, stuff that he had, and I want to say that he mentioned in the video about the deal with Gil Losey Jr. and, you know, them putting the L on that uh, 12L and, and that type of thing. It was because of the T-bar. I think mm-hmm. the, the actual T-bar setup was part of his design. And, and, uh, or yeah, was I, can't tell you the ex- I can't tell you the exact thing that was different, but he put a different twist on it that did kind of revolutionize what was going on at the time. Yeah, and, and I think uh, in the video it mentioned something to the effect that I, I want to say that Gene asked Gil what he wanted, uh, you know, for being involved in uh, that design and everything. And 
something to the effect that Gene said he ended up buying him like a big radio stereo system or something. That's what he said he wanted, or that was what was on the video. <laughs> wow. He was just like, he was like, yeah, I, you know, it was, you know, Gene was just asking, hey, you know, your contribution to this, you know, what are you looking for? And, you know, what would you like? And he was, it was something like, you know, he ended up getting him this big stereo system. That's what he, basically what he wanted, which yeah. <laughs> is just kind of funny, but. Um, it was a little simpler apparently yeah. back then. Yeah, not as uh, not as many demands. I'll tell you, I, I, knowing Gene and Mike and and all of them, and they were some awesome guys. And what they did for our hobby that's still going today is pretty phenomenal. And you can say a lot of things about many people, but you know, Gene was very he had a lot of. Um, Intuition, foresight, whatever you want to call it, and he sat down. You know, he pretty much put got Roar rolling, and um, you know, on Mike's support, um, those two guys were very instrumental in making all this stuff happen that we're enjoying today. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, definitely very nice to see. I mean, I was fortunate because I kind of saw them. You know, I was involved with them. It was towards the later years, but you know, you were there from the beginning. You know, uh, but yeah, definitely, where I was very. That doesn't good sound good, Jason. I was there from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's something to be said for that, right? Um, oh, not everybody course. can say that. No, I mean, but those are good. two great men in our industry, and I, I can say they were friends and uh, and. Uh, uh, be very happy and proud about that. So then, kind of, you know, uh, talk to us a little bit. I know there's something kind of curious. I want to see your angle on it. Uh, I know Paul had his information and uh, running that, going back to the 92 Worlds, uh, about the, the, the batteries and, and motor wars in those days. Um do you remember? It was more intense the than now. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know Paul when he raced it. You know, it was there was a big battery a war there, and um, you know things that you know most people couldn't explain, and that had a lot to do with the weight of the batteries and that type of thing. But, oh yeah. Uh, what what was the like- what was the situation? I don't, I don't know if I. Yeah, I don't know if I can recall the entire thing, but I mean, similar to the, the, to, to today, we talk about weight of the lipos. Well, weight of the, um, the 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 cells we were using at Worlds. I mean, the more denser the cell, the more more um, chemical or juice, whatever you want to call it, could produce power, and. I don't remember if we were doing it then or not, but I, don't, I remember we used to have little tools we made where we could dope the cells and get them to go a little bit faster and pop the vents open and squirt stuff in them and all kinds of crazy stuff. But wow. <laughs> at that at that at that race, we I I was lucky enough to have the um, I think it was a Panasonic P170. They were purple. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that ended up to be the cell uh, at that particular time. And, and, and the batteries I knew was very, very sensitive to date code of when they were produced. Um, yeah. And uh, the stars aligned, and you know the guys that were running the P170s, um, they had a probably a tick of an advantage. But yeah, the, the Sanyo was big into racing at that time. I mean, they sponsored the U.S. team at the Worlds, and they were trying to get in it. And there was a couple other players, but it was primarily Sanyo and Panasonic, as I recall. But. Uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty crazy, and what we did charging them, and I, I don't remember what we did at all. I know is um, one time while I was in my consulting business, I went down to Sanyo down here in Mexicali, and, and I had a meeting with them about systems and so forth, and the engineering guys were there, and I said, hey, you guys remember building batteries or anything for RC cars? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, do you know that Ernie Pervetti guy? And I just started laughing, and, <laughs> and then he goes... Long where I was going with this is he goes, what you guys did to those batteries, they should have blown up in your face. Wow. I'm chuckling. I'm chuckling right now because that, that's what a lot of people say we do to lipos too. So, <laughs> but yeah, we had a funny conversation down there with uh, about all that. Jeez. So, but no, oh, the '92 Worlds. It was probably the peak of the 10 scale mod pan car racing. It was crazy competitive. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember going out to the ranch on just a weekly basis, and there'd be over 100 people running. Yeah. I, I loved a uh, 10-scale pan car. Out of all the pan cars I've been, that was my favorite. It was it, fun. It, it was, I, I still have my world's car. Uh, I've still got my world's car pretty much as it was off the track. Um, I've got the car Mike Blackstock ran. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff from that time period, because when I... After that race, I promised my wife that I'd quit racing for a while and focus on the business. And I've got two little plastic trunk container type things sitting in the garage that I have not opened since I, that race. So it could, I'm waiting for some day to just sit down and pop that open. And wow. Go, holy crap. This is like a time machine. Damn. We need a photo of your of yours in Blackstock's car. That would be that'd be, yeah that'd be awesome to put up with the show yeah, fine. Uh, I'll dig that I'll dig them up I, I know where they're at but they're not easily gotten right now mm. <laughs> yeah that would be cool um, that was yeah it was just an epic race and then uh, Trinity having the car at that race and uh, do you remember anything about the, the Trinity uh, pan car or you know Joel ended up winning the race but do you remember anything any stories about that? You know, I, I yes and no. I mean, I, not enough to say anything particular, but, I mean, they worked hard at that race. I mean, uh, nothing comes easy, and I remember they worked very hard at it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Joel was always drove very smooth and like Joel did. So, I mean. Yeah. He's a he's a tough cookie. He's one of the top drivers too. Unfortunately, then, never uh, beat Masami, but way it goes. Yeah, I never quite got over that hump, right? The timing just didn't work. 
so moving into uh, you know the the new generation here with uh, the Sure Speed stuff and Hobby Wing. What's going on with uh, Sure Speed lately? And you know, tell everyone kind of what you're most involved with and uh, on that side. Right now, um, trying to get the V4s, um, the name out there, that, uh, and so forth. We we debuted them in uh, March. <clears throat> excuse me, at uh, the Desert Clack Desert Classic in uh, Chandler, Arizona, hobby action, a great new place, and um, had fantastic results. I think we had eight out of ten cars in, in both expert classes, and we had a lot in the others. And, um, and if I remember right, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think we took the top six or seven spots in both mains. So that was a pretty nice start to the to the madness. And um, with the stock nats recently, uh, if, I, if we uh, slide uh, Spencer, Dakota, and Dustin off to the side, we we had to we were right behind them. You know, I, I told the guys, I told uh, Ron Duvall, I told uh, Jake, and a couple of the other guys, uh, Wayne. I said, man, you guys were first, second, and third in class. So, um, <laughs> and and then the sportsmen, we dominated. I mean, we we swept all the podiums. So. It's still going well. It's the new generation motor um, with, uh, you know, a lot less steel in the, in the, in the stator than we've ever had before. and uh, Just a different breed motor, and they just require a little different. And I've just been working with people to make sure that um, they work across the platforms and, and so I can give guidance to shops that, that resell them or uh, whoever so that uh, people have a good experience. And we're getting and, ready to go next uh, this week up to uh, uh, Washington, up to uh, Tacoma. Yep, and you'll be up there supporting everybody in the, uh, all the classes, but specifically the the stock. And then we we obviously have the independent class this year too. So there's a lot of yep. uh, stock and 13.5 racing going, right? Yeah, I was on the phone with the guys today. They're already running on the track and so forth, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking for. I, I love going up to that place. I don't know what it is. I just have a good time. Scotty uh, Scott Brown runs a great, great program. Has a nice place going on there, and uh, it's just a great environment. It's just fun to be up there. I was looking at the entries for. I believe it was that race. And then, you know, fast forwarding a little bit to hobby actions race, but the entries in thirteen five and seventeen five are just tremendous. And yeah. I think the one that surprised me even more was thirteen five four wheel, how big that looked. That's getting really big. Uh, around here that's been huge for a while. I mean my home track's pretty much OCRC, and sometimes they'll be up to three heats on a on a club night, and there's always two. So I mean, so I wasn't too surprised to see that. But I think when we get over to um, uh, hobby action again in July, I think it's going to be even. Long. I think they, I think that race is all sold out already. I believe, but it's really big over there. It is. Yeah, it is, and you know, looking at. Uh, we we kind of got the 13.5 truck class going now, and I noticed 
uh, it's also looks well uh, registered for uh, in Tacoma, and and I assume it'll be at Hobby Action also. I have to assume it. Um, I was uh, real impressed with uh, up at Tacoma. They've got a ton of people in it. It's a really big class again. And yeah. um, I mean the AE, the new AE truck is, is not really out. I mean, there's not only a few select drivers have them. If I'm, if I'm, I think that's correct. So that's yeah. Not I think they just started shipping. Correct. Yeah, people so were it's, uh, a lot of excitement there. Yeah, people were signed up for it before even the new trucks were out. And I assume, I mean, if he's able to get a shipment of those things, and uh, you know, people are going to be building them just for the race. Well, yeah, uh, the problem is that I don't think they had room or there's some, I don't know, I was just listening to the guys uh, this morning. They were trying to borrow, beg, borrow, and steal trucks to run in that class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, and then, motors and speed control. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about uh, Hobby Wing, uh, what you're doing over there. And uh, obviously, you've had similar success. A lot of guys that run Sure Speed also run Hobby Wing. But what's going on there and, and uh, the latest, greatest, and what's got us well, uh, excited about Hobby Wing? Hobby Wing is. Um, it's a fun company to work with. Uh, I've really enjoyed helping um, get the team started up and working with the guys and, 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 and developing the team and, and bringing new people on and so forth has been rewarding. But the, the, the part that I wasn't really focusing on that um, I kind of knew was happening, but uh, it, the, the impact it had on the um, – sales side of Hobby Wing uh, is either coincidental, but I love it because it, it looks like we're doing great stuff. Uh, and I think we are um, because the, their position in the market's quite strong right now and just keeps mm-hmm. getting getting stronger and stronger. And I'll share that the little stock spec speed control, that little tiny one, mm-hmm. that that was pretty much kind of one of those things where I almost had to put my reputation on the line to get them to produce it because they didn't think it would sell. And I finally got them to agree to produce it. And their first run was like 200 units. And a hobby in North America located here in LA ordered 400 to start with. So we were (laughs) behind 200 right off the bat. And, to this day, they're barely make they're barely able to keep up with it. So um, that kind of stuff. But you know, the team has really put uh, enabled Hobbywing to get on the map. And Hobbywing is a wide company, and I I um, I deal with the surface stuff, the cars, the buggies, and, and so forth. But um, I think it's helped them all the way across their boating line and all the aircraft and crawling and. We've got a new speed control system coming out um, for the crawlers. And um, everybody, I think, knows Charlie Schwanka, and, and he works with um, Schwanka, uh, works with Hobby Wing. And he takes care of all the drone and, and that side, and he's doing an equally good job. And I think all the cylinders are clicking for Hobby Wing. Um, 
and uh, everybody's in a good mood, so it's a fun place to be around, and 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 we're continuing to grow on that. Uh, we just released new software for the XR10 family. Um, it took us a little while um, to get some stuff the way everybody liked, um, and it's out now and available. And um, we ran it; most all of us ran it at Stocknaps, and people were real happy with it. Uh, it's got some fixes in it, some new functions, um, so it was worth the wait. But uh, that does, it hasn't stopped there. I mean, I've got a um, I've got a, pro, a couple of prototypes of the next generation that I'm working on now, and it's going to be a while before we see that. By a while, I mean I think it'll be more than six months. Um, but they've surprised me before, so. And I think it's going to be another step forward that's uh, pretty exciting. So um, working with them, and uh, we've been picking up and working with the modified uh, guys. Um, you know, Max and um, Brayton Staub is running running our modified stuff. And I don't mean to slam anybody, but those two guys came to mind, and they're doing a good job. And Max and 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 Drayton will be up at uh, Tacoma, so I get to see them and work with them up there. But uh, that's been fun. Um, their their new G3 motor and modifieds um, working very well. Um, they're a little hard to get right now. I don't know. For those wondering, I don't know what the holdup is. I know we're all looking for them though. The team guys are struggling to get get them. Uh, I have to uh, fight to get some. So, but uh, it's fun. It, it, everything's clicking. It's uh, working really well. I mean. We've got uh, got some new stuff coming. I think everybody all up and down the line from 12 scale to 8 scale is going to be happy. Yeah, and then kind of talking a little bit about 8 scale, uh, you know, what do you think is going on on that side of things? You know, we got e-buggies and e-truggies, and how is that side of the business, uh, you know? It's very strong. In your um, uh, we're doing very well. I think in that side of the business, um, from the numbers that are sold versus the number of people I see racing, I think a lot of it doesn't go to the racing world. But but we're also doing very well in the racing world. I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys that have used it until their company's got their products uh, reliable and working or what have you. And um, I, I don't think we we lose anything. If, uh, I think it's the last release of stuff where we have the chip in the motor so that the speedo and the motor are talking. And in 8 scale, we can run full censored all the way through. Um, that's in uh, the performance out of that's pretty amazing. And um, it's really showing up. Um, I've had the opportunity. We have a new track out here, a new on-road track called Steel City. Steel City Raceway, located at the Fontana Speedway track or Auto Club Speedway. I've seen and that. It's, it's amazing. Big, beautiful track, and uh, we're starting to um, be running eight scale um, um, pan cars or uh, on road cars, I should say. And right. the electric so it's like a, it's eight scale eight scale nitro car, but turned into it an e an e car. Well, they're big. Right? Yeah, but they're building now. Um, they're starting to specialize a little bit more and lean them a little bit more toward electric. 
And okay. uh, a couple of the guys that I've seen them, and man, are they quick. So that's, yeah, they gotta that's be something amazing. else. Yeah, I mean, the mod, I've seen the mod sedans up there, and going down the big long back straightaway, they'll pass that nitro car. Um, yeah. But uh, they, they lose a little bit slowing down for the corners and getting going there. So, But down the straightaway, the mod sedan is woo, wicked fast. Yeah, they just had the Nationals, you know, down in Florida. They had uh, the touring yep. car, Honored Nationals. Kind of a, not a great turnout, but, you know, they're not really known for their turnouts uh, at that particular event. But I know Paul mentioned that he was down there racing, and, you know, there was a, a couple battles they had with some guys running some nitro cars, you know, for a straightaway speed. And he said that, yeah. I want to say, was it Ralph? Kelsey? Who, who was it that was running? Anyway, the touring car uh, was faster than the the one eight scale uh, nitro car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Randy Castro was out at the California Speedway, and he had a three five uh, turned up with boost and <laughs> turbo, and I guess everything. And I wasn't there, unfortunately, but he was just smoking them. So. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, the eight scale electric. I think that could be pretty exciting because the, a lot of the guys would like to do nitro, the same as an off road. But the limiting factor is you have to have a pit man in the electric. You don't need mm-hmm. that pit guy, so you can you're a little more independent. So that yeah, that's gonna nitro, be an exciting thing to see how it go. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, right now there's not a lot of manufacturers, right? Uh, that makes sort of a an eight scale electric on road car, right? I'm only aware of Capricorn Serpent, and there's another one that I'm failing to mention, but not by only because I can't remember. Um, but there's three of them uh, that are making electric eight scale on road. So okay. I think that will grow. I heard X rays working on one. Or maybe they've come out with it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that could be something that grows. I don't know. I have to keep an eye on it. I'd love to have yeah. one. I just don't have time to play. I hear you. There's some amazing classes yes. that I'd definitely like to race. But like you said, definitely not easy. I'm signed up to run the Reedy race two days after we get back from Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm sitting at the deck desk here, and I've got a box of parts and all the components needed to build the car before I leave for Tacoma so I can come back and race at the Reedy Race. Okay, perfect. So you're yeah, going to run... Exactly. Uh, what what classes do they have there now at Reedy? Oh, man. It, it, I mean, they obviously they have the invite. Then they have... Uh, I remember last year... Yep, Spencer ran open mod last year. Correct. And then they have... uh, last... Go ahead. They got 17.5, right? Last year, there was 13.5 and 17.5. This year, it drops from mod to 17.5, and I'm I'm quite certain it's a 21.5 class. Okay. 
but I mean, with the new motors, jeez, I mean, the seventeen fives from this year or from last year or so are faster than the thirteen fives previously were, and the twenty one fives are faster than the old seventeen fives from a year or so ago. So we really, it sounds like they'd be slower, but the lap times and stuff I've heard from testing um, are faster than mod was like five years ago. Pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, I drove... uh, Too too fast. I ran e-buggy over the weekend, and, yeah, I mean, for the main, I geared up two teeth. Paul's, like, uh, begging me. He's like, you know, you need to gear this thing up, and and it needed to be geared (laughs) up. But, I mean, we did that. We went up two teeth, and I I ran the main. I was just like, this thing is unbelievable. Like, it was so fast. I couldn't even drive it. One interest, interesting fact is the the electric buggies. I mean, that was one of the things that we designed it before anybody had them. That was one of the things I worked on uh, at LOSI, is the eight-scale uh, speedo motor system and, and the, worked with the car. And um, mm-hmm. I left before I think it went to – it may have just gone to production around the time I was leaving. So, so that that was a lot of fun working with them and – the motors that are being run in the on-road now are what we we, we tried in off-road. And, I mean, we had a 3,000 kV motor, and I remember on 4SL, I think it would literally blow the tires off the wheel. <laughs> That's amazing. What's, uh, so kind of moving moving uh, moving forward here, what's the next, what's up for you? Uh, you got Tacoma, you mentioned, that's coming this week, but... What else uh, do you have after that? Uh, Reedy race two days after I get back. Um, then going up to Victorville to Coyote Hobbies for their uh, yearly event up there. Uh, first week of June, so the next three weeks we're busy. And then um, end of uh, end of June, I'm going back to Knoxville, Tennessee to Smoky Mountain Raceway. Uh, for some, uh, and I don't know exactly what all the classes are. I haven't looked at the flyer close enough, but it's an oval race, and the place is just beautiful. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting back there and seeing my oval friends, and I'll be down there um, uh, the end of the month, end of June. I come back, I think, uh, 2nd or something in July. And then... Um, I think July is the four by four and the e buggy nationals back in Omaha, so I'll be back there. And then before we know it, we're back in uh, Arizona for the nationals for ten scale buggy. Good, and I think uh, we got a bunch of good questions here for you, and I think Gotti was gonna kind of look those oh, up. Boy. And, uh, <laughs> read up a couple good questions and uh, then we can satisfy everybody's needs. Yeah, hopefully we haven't put anybody to sleep yet with all this old old boy stuff. No, they, they love the stuff, yeah. the old school stuff, man, let me tell you. Yeah. Good. I mean, you could do a whole nother thing on the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Like, you could just go and people would just love it. Oh, oh it's... Uh... Yeah, it uh, it was a it was a fun time. It was a fun time to be able to be there. 
So fire away there. Yeah, uh, we got one here from uh, Javier Nea. Um, he wants to say, first, thanks for helping in tuning my stock motor last year at OCRC Surf City Race. It was super cool that you took the. It was super cool that you took the time out to do that for me. Um, considering you have great power systems with line of sure speed motors and hobby wing electronic speed controls, do you see yourself or hobby wing getting into the servo slash lipo market in the future? Um, first off, uh, thanks a lot. I mean, I, when I'm at a race, uh, it doesn't have to be a team guy. It's anybody that's got a sure speed motor, I sit down with them and work with, with them and, and, and get it going and clean them up and fix them for them. As far as hobby wing even if it's not in, a sure speed motor, he works on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask Spencer about that last week. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of shot myself open those guys. That's all right, though. Um, getting into the servo market, I I don't know what everything Hobby Wing's working on. Um, so I can't really commit or, or comment, I should say, on, on the direction of, of, uh, of servos. Um, batteries, um, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a difficult market. Tons and tons and tons of liability. Um, Hobby Wing uh, has a relationship uh, overseas with Sun, Sun Padau, I think it's called. And um, over here in the U.S., we've got a relationship uh, with Intellect America, and I see us over here, myself, I'm, I'm growing that and working with them to introduce them to the Hobby Wing team. Um, I, but, but as far as Hobby Wing branded product, I, I don't see batteries in the future. And, and, and servos, I just don't know. Uh, we have another question here from Kyle Jeffries. He says, uh, what do you look for in a great stock off-road motor? If you are starting out well, with a motor that is complete unknown, how do you go about determining where the timing should be set? Well, um, haven't done too much of that recently, but what do I look for? Um, the only tool that I, I have my total faith in and feel uh, naked trying to do anything. If I don't have one of my motorizers in front of me, uh, I, I struggle, um, to really do a good job in finding and setting up a good motor. That being said, what, what do I look for? I look for the phase currents. Um, I watch the, uh, uh I, I like to know what the real effective timing is and, and the only, and, and uh, I sound like a walking motorizer commercial, but, Motorizer is the only one that presents the, the effective running um, accurate timing. It also shows you each phase, but it also shows you the effective actual as the motor is running, and that's really important. Uh, but between the phase currents and timing, um, I kind of start out a little conservative, and uh, to, to, to find a motor or even our motor with different drivers because each driver runs a little different, I wash lap times. Um, I don't care who I have running the motor, if they're uh, world class or just the, uh, the, the average guy at the track. Um, most of them, if they tell you it was good or bad, the lap times don't lie. 
And so I go off lap times, and I try not to overtime a motor because um, uh, overtiming has uh, got negative effects real quick. Uh, I'd rather have a little undertime than overgeared. Um, I don't know if that doesn't really answer the whole lot, but that's that's kind of how I would approach it. Mm. Okay. Ron would have been laughing when uh, a few years back when I went and ran the Vintage Nationals, and uh, we you know we were allowed to use brushless equipment in the RC tens, but it had to be a seventeen five, and I don't ever run seventeen five. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, I got my program box. I got and, you know stuff for the speed control, and I'm looking at people. People are like, "Oh, you should do this." And I'm like, "How do you do that?" <laughs> like I'm trying, you know, and I'm like turning the timing up on the motor. They're like, "You gotta turn the timing up." Like, oh, well, okay, I'll turn the timing up. I turn it up, and it's like <laughs> then the the whole thing doesn't even run. I'm like, "Oh, that must be too far." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I, yep. Then someone's like, "Well, you go till it doesn't go anymore, till it doesn't work, and then you go a little bit below that." Oh, okay. Yeah, me and Alex, okay. There you go. When um, people ask me about using Amptraw, and, and Amptraw is probably better than a lot of little analyzers that are floating around, but I kind of I, I liken it to uh, trying to use a four-inch paintbrush and say go pinstripe. Um, it gets you very close, but I don't I don't feel it's the ultimate. So. But uh, back yeah. on setting up motors and so forth, with mm-hmm. the way things have progressed, you've got not only do you have to have a good motor, uh, and I see this a lot when I'm dealing with my um, my customers or at the track trying to help somebody that's struggling. It takes three things to go fast in stock. You've got to have a good battery. You've got to have a decent speed control or a good speed control, and then the good motor. And I may even add a fourth. If you don't, if you've got the good battery, you have to have the equipment to properly charge it. Yeah, and you got to understand what battery you have to know how you should charge that that battery's chemistry. No oh boy. Because um, yeah, oh boy, correct. <laughs> it's not so much that you have to have all the bling on the car. It's more getting make sure all three of those pieces are working because you can have the best speed control and the best motor and the best gearing setup and everything, but if you don't have your battery package in, in order, you're going to get beat. So, mm, that if, you and, and if you can't drive. Thing. yeah. Well, that's me. I can't drive anymore, but I sure have yeah, that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a question here from John Bolton. He says, uh, when do you see wireless tuning of electronic speed controls and motors during a race becoming a norm? Example is, your setup is for high bite, but the track slicks off. Quick tap on the radio, and a slick track setup is changed. Actually, that technology is here, um, and um, Hobbywing has could have that ability quickly. Uh, however, all the all the organizations that's banned, and I think it's banned mm-hmm. for a good reason. Um, I don't think we need to. Racing is too complex now. I mean, you almost need to have a chassis engineering degree and electronics degree and, man, whatever else. But it's too complex right now. We're, we're scaring people away. So uh, why do we want to bring telemetry into it and 
all the on-the-fly stuff. I, I'm a little, maybe I'm old-fashioned there, but uh, I don't think we need to introduce that. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for when you're out practicing, but when it comes time to race, I don't think it should be active. I'm definitely old-fashioned old there. Okay. Well, uh, here's a question from Joe Zare. Um, he says, will Hobby Wing be able to catch up in the stock motor game, or are they pushing for Roar to make stock and 13.5 fixed timing like the old brush days? Okay. How, how, how many hours we got here? Um, <laughs> hey, you got as much time as you want. I'm, I'm about, oh. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> um, we go up to midnight. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, this is... Uh, that interesting and to me a very deep question. Um, I think right now with what's going on with motors, I'm here in the U.S. and it's really hard to keep up with what's going on in motor rules and so forth. And a lot of the companies outside the U.S., which Hobby Wing is, and um, they can't they can't possibly keep up with it because things aren't documented. Rapidly, there, there's, there's lots of notes and you gotta know where to go on this website within Roar or that website. And, um, honestly, I think it's kind of a mess right now. Um, and I would say that Hobby Wing and some of these other companies that are behind. I think they've chosen not to get caught up in it because it's a very expensive game to play and, um, and trying to keep up with what's going on right now until we get some solid rules or reevaluate the rules. I, I think that that's a problem for the companies that are even racing today. I mean, I talked to a lot of the different manufacturers, um, and I, I, I don't think I, we're not doing anybody a favor anybody, anybody favors with what we're running today. These new generation motors are very, um, fast uh, they're also very delicate and um, I think uh, I think without going a whole lot deeper and I think the, the rules need to be reevaluated and uh, more favorable back to the consumer side to where motors will last a uh, year two years maybe even longer um, if they so desire to have that um, uh, we've got to get away from the constantly changing rules i think we're hurting our, our our racing and i'm not saying that so much as sure speed i'm just saying that as a, an enthusiast um i think we're hurting racing overall with all these motors and changing and then everybody's got uh, you know there's people out there selling 200 hundred dollar quote tuned motors and, and i just don't i just don't see it being good Back to the question, I think some of the companies just are sitting back waiting uh, to see if things stabilize. And that was as short as I can keep that one. Uh, Justin Doyle asked, um, he has two questions here. Um, First, um, well, we discussed your career already, but he wanted to know, as far as starting a business, what mindset or skills would it take for someone starting one today? Can it be done, and is it harder? Oh, I don't know if it's harder than before. The one thing that I would um, say he, he, he to make a lot of to make it work, he's going to need a lot of money to start. Um, yeah, what's that saying? Because, 
<laughs> you, you need to, if you want to make a million dollars, you need to start with two. Uh, yeah. Or more. Uh, or yeah, more. more. <laughs> it's, 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 um, man. Yeah, keep like talking that. and I'll remember. Yeah. I'll remember. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, Justin's, uh, question there is interesting because it kind of goes along with what I was just saying. I mean, to start a motor company up right now, I think it'd have to be freaking nuts. Um, because it's too, too volatile. And if you can't, if you don't, if you're not immersed in it and have grown up with it a little bit, I mean, it's, it's a jungle out there right now. And, and, and again, that's why I think uh, some of these companies are sort of sitting back watching what's going on, but to enter, enter a, a market that is, is in the stage of, um, such as the motors are right now, man, I, I would, I would make him a nice, sweet deal on SureSpeed and help him along the way. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I think it'd be very tough. It's tough for, I don't want to get out. I was joking, but, um, um, it's, uh, it's not something that you make a lot of money yet. You better love it and be passionate about the hobby. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, I, um, I, uh, I'm fortunate that I'm retired and this is just, I'm, I'm having a great time and, and enjoying my passion. And otherwise I don't think I'd do this for a family. All right. Uh, part two of his question was you travel a lot, truly amazed by the track support. You're everywhere. What are a few tracks? What are a few tracks you recommend? Everyone must travel to once. You got to go to OCRC. Um, that's a, that's just the vibe at that place and the things that go on and the quality people that run it. I mean, Jake and Nick, I mean, they're just class acts and a lot of fun. Uh, the track's superb. The, the facility is nice. It's in a great location. That'd be number one. Um, hobby action, um, Chandler, Arizona, outside Phoenix. Um, another place got to go. Uh, Larry Tom's got a fantastic facility there. Um, again, perfect location. Everything's right around the place. Um, you jump out, I think, where we're going this weekend, Tacoma. That's another place I would go to. Uh, recommend people go to. I think, um, that's a, that's a really good place. Scott Brown's got an awesome place going there. Um, jump over to the Midwest. Um, I think, um, I'd, I'd have to put on the map, um, the Hobbyplex in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, Alex Sturgeon does a fantastic job back there and that place is, uh, always busy and when he runs a race, it's, uh, right, right up there. He does a great job with them. Uh, so that would be another one. Um, although I have not been there, um, I hear great things about trackside. I think, uh, uh, Jamie and uh, the crew up there have done a good job and I need, uh, I'm on, they're on my schedule, I think, for later this year to go up there. Um, I know somebody's going to get upset, but the Beach RC, another one, um, the old Speed RC, I love that place. Unfortunately, yeah. they're not around anymore. Um, oh, man. There's, there's some nice places. I mean, we're fortunate. Um, I mean, SDRC down in San Diego, um, that's a nice place down there, too. I mean, 
unfortunately, they have a big race this weekend, the JBRL series, and we won't be in town. Otherwise, I'd be down there. But um, that's another place good to go to. Um, um, man, there's a lot. There's a lot of places. But those are probably some of the top that come to my mind. And I know I've missed some somebody, but there's a lot of good places around. Pretty impressive list. Yeah. Um, Chris Trudell says, as a motor guy, current brushless motors versus brush motors from the 80s and 90s, which was better and why? And uh, pros and cons of each. Uh, brush motors were um, a little bit less expensive, but you needed more of them. Um, the work you had to put into uh, maintaining the brush motor is a, a con. Um, the brushless motors do require some maintenance, but uh, for the most part are more consistently good and producing power. Um, and right now they're way faster than the brush counterparts, which I don't know if is completely a good thing. Mm. Um, I would vote for a brush brushless any day over a brushed motor right now. Yeah, it's just mm. it's just so much work. I mean, the equipment I had to go go around. I mean, you truly did need to carry a magnet zapper or have one available. I remember all the com cutting tools and brush contouring tools I used to have. And, <laughs> Yep. Springs and brushes. I mean, um, it was much more of a nightmare. I, I'd go brushless hands. Oh, kids today don't know how good they have it. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, when it was, with brushed motors, we used to run back to the pit after marshaling, and you better hope your car was good because you had to rip the motor out and start, you know, tearing it apart to chew the calm and do all the voodoo with brushes and maybe change compounds, springs. I mean, oh, my gosh, it was a, mm. it was a nightmare. Jason, you remember that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, second part of Chris's question, he says, uh, be honest, is there really such thing as a stock motor? Not all brushless motors are created equal, right? Well, true, um, because the specifications are are not spec so stock motor what we call a stock motor today let's just say 17.5 i mean mm-hmm. my stator is different than other people's stators who are different than others so there's you know the stator design is key to how they perform there's also different sensors used um i mean the, the, the list goes on um and how well they're built but for the most part i would say we're running spec motors not stock motors and we need to get more spec in them. Um, we've ventured a little bit too far away from spec and, and some of what's happening right now, in my opinion. Um, we need to rein that back in. But we're racing spec motors more than stock motors. Um, what was the other part of that? Um, no, I think I got those two-part questions. So okay. I, yeah, we got it. Uh, this uh, this person here says doesn't have a question, but he says, "Hey, I know that guy," and that was from Mike Boylan. Oh boy! <laughs> I'm sure, you got I'm some glad stories. Remember, Mike, Mike, right? Right? Uh, yeah. Oh no, I don't know who he is really. Oh, okay. 
See that, Mike? He likes um, I, he likes apple pie with the cinnamon. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. This that's is another a question. reason to go to. That's another reason to go to Tennessee at the end of June. Ah. All right. I'll have to make note of that. Yeah. <laughs> This person here wants to know what is your favorite airport? Favorite? Oh, Charlie. Oh, okay, you guessed it. All right, I was gonna throw the name in there at the I end talked, for you. I talked. I, t- I talked to him earlier. <laughs> so okay. So yeah, there you go. Answer this for anybody. You know, listeners out there. Favorite airport? Um. Love Palm Springs Airport. Love going in and out. I can show up. 15, 20 minutes before my flight and still have to wait 10 minutes at the gate. Oh. Okay. That's Favorite that's, rental uh, car? Pretty not, pretty not. <laughs> um, Favorite rental car? I don't know. Is there an inside joke there with the rental cars? Uh, well, I've been known to be kind of tough on them, but I've, I've calmed down significantly like recently. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, favor at the track foodery. Oh, there's a place in Pennsylvania that oh. I didn't get to go to this year, and it is um, Bumps and Jumps. Uh, okay. Um, yep. Outside of Harris, you know where that one's at? Yeah, it's about an hour south of me. Yep. That place, they have a, a, a honest to god chef in that place, and I am so glad that I don't race there a lot. Um, <laughs> but the food is is just awesome there, I, I, and and you don't have to leave the track. Uh, that's by far and above the best place to get food Dang. at the track. I might have to just go down there for the food. Um, I can take the missus out to eat there, right? be, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Not, well, not if, unless she's done something. Unless, unless there's some questionable things there, I don't know. But I may not be totally impressed. But for racing, much better than most fast food around we go to. Hmm. All right. Well, it would be an upgrade over Burger King, I'm sure, that I usually take her to. All right. Uh, oh, then yes, she'll love it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Favorite place to eat when on the road? Yeah, um, seems like we end up uh, at Longhorn, Outback. Yes, Longhorn. DJs, Applebee's. And then, um, depending, um, uh, Jason's sidekick, Thomas Tran, we usually uh, try to disappear and find some kind of uh, Thai restaurant somewhere. And that's always an adventure uh, in many ways. Mm. Yeah, you guys are good at finding uh, finding a new restaurant when we when we're on the road. And, um, yeah, I the one thing I've noticed about Thomas is he's not super picky. He'll just he'll go anywhere. He always gets something different, and I'm just like, man, I'm so envious. I would never yeah. do that. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm pretty crazy too. I mean, I'll eat I'll eat anything that doesn't bite back. Pretty much. <laughs> Wow. Dang. Okay. 
At least I'll try it, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one from Pete Phillips. Would Ron be willing to join the campaign to force RC companies into making more 4XL and 5XL shirts, asking for a friend? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? Although, hopefully, if things keep moving in the right direction for myself, I won't be needing them in. Uh, so, but I, I still, I still wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to deny the, uh, more aerodynamic of my friend's shirts. <laughs> I think I'm all cut up on the questions, Jason. Okay. You know, there's great. one thing you, you brought up that I didn't really address, and you brought up the fixed timing thing and Hobby Lane wanting to push fixed timing. Um, fixed timing is not, the end all that I think some of our, our, our listeners might be thinking it is because <coughs> oh, excuse me um, even with fixed timing um, there's a lot involved um, to make them equal like uh, we signed up with or Hobby Wings signed up um, to sponsor and supply motors to uh, Scotty's events in Las Vegas IIC, IOCC the on-road and off-road. And last year I invested whew, probably, I bet it was a good 70 hours in those motors to make them perform equally. Wow. And, and we, I mean, we had a lot of classes I had to do, you know, a, a number of motors, a little over 100 motors, but that's not an easy task when they're fixed timing. I mean, the only way you can adjust them is put them together, run them, tear them apart, adjust them, put them together. And some motors take five, you know, four or five times to get them to where you want them. Because there's no screws adjustment. you got to either heat stuff up, twist stuff, do things like that. So there's a cost to get the motors to run equally. Unless you want to go to a higher-end motor, where, where there's more QC done. But when you're, the, the dilemma I see coming at people, um, and there's a new organization that's trying to do good things too that I, I won't mention by name, but there's, there's a big push that says, oh, let's go to fixed timing. It's going to be so cheap. But to go with the less expensive motor and get, get down to, uh, 25 to 45 dollar motor you're not going to be running the motors that we're selling today because the components in them just will not allow that price to be met mm. so there's got to be a rethink um or, or a thought rethink there um, from the base that says um uh, i'm not going to be running as fast and i don't think that's necessarily bad I, it's just you can't get a motor that's selling today for I don't know a hundred a hundred and let's just say a hundred bucks. Well, it's going to be pretty hard to find somebody that's going to say, "Oh yeah, well I'll sell that for thirty bucks now." I mean, if they want a company such as SureSpeed or Hobbywing to be involved, and you want them to run equally at a fixed timing and, and so forth. There's a, there's a lot of background work that has to be done um, at the back end after they're made 
to get them to run right, or it's got to be all done at the factory. But either way, there's a cost associated to make that happen. So that means what that means is to get the cost down to those prices, the material has to be much cheaper because they don't need to be as good because you're going to be, you know, getting a, a motor uh, at this race, you're going to be getting a motor at that race. So there's a, I, you know, I don't know if that's the, the um, light at the end of the shiny tunnel or whatever you want to call it. Um, just I just wanted to throw that out there. I think the general idea is very sound, and that's why I mentioned earlier we need to get back to a more spec motor. And by spec, I mean, um, I think we're better off having adjustable timing uh, motors. I think uh, what we need to get back to is more of a spec stator, a spec rotor, a spec um, uh, sensor, and, yeah. and put some solid limits on it. And then let the sure speeds and the hobby wings and so forth um, put the... Um, pizzazz around them to make them be cooler or what have you but we need to get more back to a spec which would bring the equal the more competitive features of the fixed timing up to the spec motor and we'd get away from the ultra performance possibly of the motors we're running what I call new gen motors and it would be a motor that would last longer and then from brand to brand, you won't see the wild swings of of uh, performance. Hmm, that's pretty deep. Yeah, so I said we could go on to midnight if you really wanted to, but I, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's somewhere nothing's for free, and it's you know it just doesn't work out that way. The equation, it's uh, you got to think about it from all the different angles, right? And sometimes. We get excited, and I do too. Um, I don't know everything, uh, but uh, I think I think there's some some serious thought um, needs to be put into this uh, with the manufacturers. Roar! I think some of us all need to get together and do something to um, to get the situation under control. So right now, I mean. We have a key, uh, there's a lot of people racing. It could be a lot larger because when I'm traveling and at OCRC being there every week and I go to a lot of tracks and I'm there a couple times a month or so, we're losing too many people. And it's because things are too, too complicated, perceived to be too complicated, but we need to figure out what's going on uh, so we can have products and build things and encourage people to stick around and have fun. We're competing against video games and stuff like that. Where wow. it's different, it's difficult on a different level than than what we're doing now. Right. I can't just hit the re. I can't hit the reset button after I kit my car um, on, oh, yeah. on on a wall. Yeah. Oh, you can't. No, I could do so, that in my video uh, games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, there just needs to be, um, uh, in my opinion. Now, whether it's the wars, the organization, we need to get a rules organization that um, puts that in place and promotes um, the health and 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 build up a ground a grassroots racing programs again. Wow, that'd be awesome. 
And the best series going right now is the, the guy sitting right next to you or, you know, we're talking to you, Jason. And that's why Hobby Wing and Sure Speed support his series. It's, uh, that is a great series and everybody that goes there has a good time. And, um, it's not all crazy like some of these races where, where there's, um, emotions stay much lower at the J Concept race typically. There you have it. Yeah. We could just we can just end at that. <laughs> sure. Jason likes that. Yep. Yeah, praise you, Jason. Yeah. Stroke his ego. I'll pop you on the I'll pop you on the forehead when I see you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we I think we pretty much got to all the questions. We got well history of Ron. So I mean, we're in pretty good shape here. I mean, we some point we'll have to let Ron go so he can get back to prepping. Um, but we definitely appreciate him spending some time with us. Nope. It was, uh, it was fun. Uh, thanks for the invite guys. Um, appreciate it. And, um, if there's something I can, I can contribute to you guys, give me a holler. I'll be, I'll be happy to talk. And, uh, one more thing for people, you know, looking to, uh, you know, maybe get some sure speed stuff for Hobby Wing. How should they go about uh, getting a hold of the the product? Um, if you want to see what all sure speed has to offer, uh, if you go to surespeed.com, S C H U U R speed.com, look around out there. Uh, you'll see what we have. And uh, on the bottom of the first page is all the people who resell sure speed and Hey, Maine does a fantastic job, um, so that's one place you can go, but you can look down there. For Hobbywing, uh, US, and all the product does ship out of Los Angeles, it'd be, uh, or not Los Angeles area here, it'd be, uh, hobbywingdirect.com. And, um, yeah, come visit and check it out and see what's going on. Uh, as far as Facebook, um, there's SureSpeed.com that I post to when I'm traveling, and Hobbywing, or it's not SureSpeed.com, SureSpeed and Hobbywing, North America, that we post to when I'm traveling around, uh, whether it's me, Charlie, or whoever. We're always posting up there what's going on, and you can find out the latest uh, news up there, too. Sweet. Good deal. Appreciate you being on the yeah. show, Ron. You're welcome back anytime, of course. And, uh, yep. and uh, I guess Hopefully we'll see Hopefully it was worthwhile. We didn't put anybody to sleep. No, that stuff's really interesting. Believe me, people are going to love it. Good. They love it. They love it. So, And uh, you'll see Jason this right, weekend, Ron. so bop him on the head when you see him. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, hit him twice, once for me. Oh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Take care, guys. All right, thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Perfect. Good stuff there. Man, I bet you could pick his brain for hours, actually, though. Uh, you know, it, it's, like it's a deer. tough uh, in this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those guys are from similar eras uh, of racing and, and they have a lot of that uh, very, uh, very deep history of and experience. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to, to talk to them and uh, be able to work with them on different things. And, you know, and it, it is tough, like Ron uh, talked about with some of these things, because, you know, when people 
sometimes people want a real simple answer to a complicated question. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> you know, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Yeah. You know, I got a friend, like I've been on the show way back in the day, Matt Mosier, and he would, he would ask me things and he's just like, He's, he, he like he's just like I always get frustrated he's like he's like dude can't you just like tell me real quick like you know and I'm just like it's not like that like if you want to really get you know technical about some of this stuff uh, it's not that simple you know it's like somebody asking well you know, it's, hey what kind of tire should I get oh ho ho yeah <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. how much, how much time uh, do you have? <laughs> yep. Just like Ron saying, you know, all right, well, how long have we got here? Because yeah. he could have went but, you know, it, even it, deeper. I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, just kind of the tip, you know, tip of the iceberg. But, uh, you know, when, geniuses. when I talk to people, you know, usually they message me or send me a Facebook message or something. You know, I'm always kind of like, uh, send me a picture of your track. Uh, that's, you know, I can get, I can get probably 70% of the way there with a recommendation just by seeing the pictures. Uh, and, and then, you know, fine tuning from there, of course. Is, mm-hmm. But, but then you know there's a but there's a lot of variables, and uh, but that's how how these things are. And like Ron said, you never you never know. You not don't know everything, but you just try to use some of the experience you have to apply to the next situation and and uh, see if it pans out. Like, what tire would you use that you make today on that track in Butler in 1996? Oh, that would be easy. Okay. What is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so that maybe it's not that easy. <laughs> well, yeah, there's three, there was three different conditions there. Uh, the condition that Chris Bing uh, PQ'd in we would be using bar style tires now. Mm. So, you know, we would, we would be running, you know, dirt webs or, um, you know, barcodes, dirt webs, that type of thing. And, and, and that would be the ticket. But, you know, at the beginning of the day, we would have been, you know, the, when the qualifying first started, we would have been running double Ds. Uh, at the time, we were running, uh, well, we ran. The thing about those days is we didn't really have, I think we just ran uh, what was called flat fuzzies. Uh, we were just running flat fuzzies back then, and we just, you know, we were using them when the track in the morning, we were using them blue groove. And we were putting new ones on all the time. And, but now, you know, we would have started with, you know, pin tires like we did back then. But we, as soon as it got grooved up, we would have went to bar tires. And, 
we would have hauled ass. Hmm. We would have been hauling ass. Hell yeah. No doubt about it. But so good. We, All right, so uh, where are you heading? You're you're leaving for you're leaving on Thursday, right? To Tacoma. I'm actually. Or tomorrow. Uh, going to be leaving tomorrow. All right. Um, since it's such a long trip, I decided to leave a little earlier. Uh, so what ends up happening, you, usually when I make the long trips, is it's easy it's easy for our West Coast guys to get there fast, and then. I get there really late, and they're always like, uh, you know, they're always like, "Where are you at?" You know, I need to get some stuff, and I'm ready. I'm ready to start mountain tires, and you know, and it's just. Um, so I, my initial thought was, well, if I, if I go, so, you know, because it's a it's a whole day to get over there. Yeah. My my initial thought was, all right, if I. I take off just a little sooner, and then you always have traffic. So inevitably, <laughs> inevitably, we travel from this coast to that coast. Then right when we get there, you land at like 5 p.m., so you're in like the worst traffic trying to leave the airport. You know, you're flying into Seattle, and then you have to try to drive somewhere in, in rush hour traffic. Mm. So... Like I, you know, when I went to OCRC for stock nats, I landed at five o'clock. I got on the four hundred five, and it was a parking lot. <laughs> so it just, you know, we just were stuck there. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's nice when we when we fly on our, you know, East Coast over here. I mean, we always that's a little much more simple. Yeah. So yeah, going over there. I'm gonna leave tomorrow. Um, get set up. Try to have a great race. Uh, Thomas. Thomas is already in Portland. Uh, he went uh, checking on his family in, in Portland, so he's gonna meet me over there. And we got a lot of. Got Jazzy. Somebody came. Jazzy. I'm excited. She made, Jazzy made an appearance on the uh, Anchor podcast yesterday. Yep. So she, she likes sure being, did. She likes being on the show. Don't forget to. Uh, don't forget to download the Anchor app and search Radio Impound, and we have um, three episodes up there. Sort of just doing a quick podcast, and uh, yeah, the quick and dirty version. Yeah, and we're doing uh, on the fly. Uh, you know, I'm driving down the road or whatever. Jason's driving, whatever. It's all uh, it works really nice. So we're gonna be doing the rip drive-throughs like that. And we'll catch up with Jason at a race sometime or something like that, and only take like ten minutes, ten minutes of his time, and not like an hour or so. So. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. All right, so Tacoma. Um, I noticed yesterday we were talking. Uh, we got on the '96 rant again, as usual. We always do it. I even worked it into today's mm-hmm. show, um, and I continue, I'm going to try and work it into every show if possible, just to annoy you guys. But anyway, um, you you wanted to mention Silver State. Did we ever finish talking about Silver State? I I, I don't want to take up no. too much more of your time here. If you just want to briefly touch on what you wanted to say, 
before I interrupted with the uh, – now let's talk 96. Well, we've had a lot of people ask about how the Silver State went because it was a, a brand-new race this year held at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Uh, last couple of years, I was at one of my favorite tracks, RC Tracks of Las Vegas, but they decided, you know, they closed down RC Tracks Las Vegas. So uh, that's no more. And so they decided to have a Silver State inside a casino for the first time. And, you know, you have an RC track inside a casino. It's not like it's in there with the slot machine and stuff. You know, they got a like a, an equestrian center or some type of, you know what I mean? Like that'd be awesome, though, and, and mix it in with the slot machines and stuff. I'd like that. Yeah. All yeah. Right. <clears throat> but as it is in Vegas, you're never too far away from any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> people are really, they had a great time at this at this Silver State uh, event and over there at the South Point. Mm-hmm. Had about 500 entries. Uh, you know, this is put on by Joey Christensen, who's been on the show, uh, you know, once or twice at least. And, you know, he, you know, the, the thing about doing these indoor events is you never know what the dirt's going to be like. So it's always, the first year is always really tough because, you know, we end up bringing a ton of different tires. It was an eight scale event. You always end up bringing a ton of different tires and compounds because you never really know, you know, what it's going to be like. And, uh, you know, the tracks always change. You know, so over time they, you know, kind of mature. They get drier. They get bumpy and blue groove. And also you have all those conditions to think about. Uh, so we, you know, we, we bring in different tires and, you know, we got to ship them over there and we had a, a uh, little bit of a hand from a driver, Chris Rose. He works at FedEx, so we were able to ship to the FedEx hub. And him and Thomas connected, uh, you know, bringing the tires out to the casino. Because sometimes it's not easy to bring your to ship stuff to a casino. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. But So we didn't want to take that chance. We uh, Chris hooked us up, uh, picked them up at the FedEx hub, uh, brought them to the hotel for us. Wow. And um, and that worked out pretty well. So Thomas went to the race and you know did the, the photos, the video, uh, followed our drivers and the race itself, and uh, it went pretty well. And everybody really that I've talked to has really really enjoyed has enjoyed the race. And the track did get bumpy. It got dry in the main and really bumpy. And that affected the results because some guys uh, are better in certain conditions or have a better setup at one point or another. And, you know, it wasn't – what's really strange is we we did well, but we didn't win anything, which was kind of hmm. a little dis- – but uh, Mayfield TQ'd e-buggy, but they only had one main. And – uh, in the main itself, he ended up making a few mistakes, ended up getting second, and the, the, the Nitro Buggy main, he qualified second, uh, mm-hmm. tied TQ'd, and Mayfield probably led, of the 45-minute main, he probably led 
35 plus minutes and uh, ran one of the smartest races I think I've probably I'm not going to say ever seen him run because he's run a lot of smart races but definitely ran a great race uh, crashed less than all the rest of the guys he took less risks which mm-hmm. um, you know I think is a very uh, solid decision on the way the track was bumpy and and, and difficult, and he made the right choice, driving a little easier. Uh, but he made uh, had one one mistake right at the end, and Ty got by him, and uh, he ended up getting second. Ah, uh, heartbreaker. So, uh, you know, the guys did make. You know, Ty definitely made more mistakes, was a little bit quicker, individual lap time wise, but he also was always in second or third. He was pushing really hard. Uh, Ryan was in the lead most of the the race, so you know he was able to be a little bit more uh, careful with what he was doing. And uh, there's a lot of bumpy sections on the track, and one got him uh, right at the end. Uh, that probably cost him cost him the win. But you know, I talked to him; he wasn't too upset about it. Uh, you know, no one likes not winning, especially those guys. Uh, but he's like, man, I really, he's like, I really kind of felt like I did all I could do. You know, he's like, I don't know how many, yeah. uh, how many, uh, you know, he's like, I, <clears throat> he's like, I, I probably made four mistakes the whole race and I could afford three. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's <laughs> and, a bummer. So, uh, but yeah, he's one of the guys that no matter what the condition is, he's out there getting it done. He's always in contention. Uh, Cavalieri was there, Spencer was there, uh, Cole Ogden was there. So we had four guys, I think, in each main. Um, so it's really good. So good year for us on the Nitro side. I don't think we've ever been as successful as we have been this year on the Nitro side of things. And, you know, we still got a lot of racing to do this year, including a world. Uh, and, uh, a lot of big races still this year. So, yeah. And then on the Truggy side, uh, Jared Tebow won Truggy, which was kind of weird. Is he's had so much success in his career, but he's been, I'd say, struggling a little bit for him uh, last year. But he ended up winning Truggy, which is really funny because he's probably got the oldest platform Truggy of oh, yeah. anybody. Hmm. The Kyosho platform is way older than everything else. Wow. And for whatever reason, uh, his truck worked great on that track. Uh, and uh, Ty made a lot of mistakes trying to keep up or or pass him. And, and Jared was fast and consistent the entire race. So... Um, Mayfield had bad qualifiers, so he qualified tenth. But he said he made it up, he, or he made it up to fourth place, and he said that's about as far as he could get uh, in the, you know, in the time that he had mm-hmm. on the track. And you know, by the time he got up, and he said I, he's like the track was was pretty, you know, pretty tough, and he's like I just by the time I got to fourth, it's like I couldn't really get much higher than that, so. So yeah, it was uh, Jared won Truggy. Uh, 
Pi, one Nitro Buggy, and Ryan Lutz, one E-Buggy. Mayfield went second, second, fourth. And uh, Spencer made all the mains, didn't have his best race uh, overall uh, in the mains. And Cavallari made all the mains. But, you know, he didn't really get up there on the podium, but he was about sixth and just just shows you how tough the competition is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's everybody that could race, you know, it was there from the U.S. Uh, it was a stacked event, and everyone everyone loved it. They thought it was awesome. So I, I think that thing will be back next year even bigger. And then get our revenge. Yeah, we'll come a little, try to come a little even more prepared, and see if yeah. we can really kick some butt. But I mean, those guys have forgot all about that race already, and yeah, they don't have much time to uh, dwell on it. These guys anymore? No, it's, not it a lot like of reflecting. Racing. No, nah, it seems like they're racing week to week. Yeah, you really are. I mean, you gotta you live in that moment, and when it's over, it's a distant memory. Because next week you're probably somewhere else. Yeah, uh, you know, in a lot of our guys' case, you're somewhere else with a different vehicle and a uh, different class. <laughs> so, <Jeez. clears throat> then we got David Ronafalk out running. Uh, you know, he was in the other part of the world. Uh, he was running in the Philippines. Had a big race out there called the Philippine Masters that Scotty Ernst puts on. He was out there doing that, and then he, while he was there, uh, he stayed an extra week. And then they're heading to Australia right now. They might be there now already uh, for a world warm-up. And we mentioned earlier that the eight scale worlds is this year in Australia, so he's out there mm. uh, going to run a warm up this weekend. And you know, we shipped a bunch of tires out there so he can kind of give us an idea of where we need to go come the the big deal later this year. No. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to hear his feedback. You know, we've been uh, experimenting a little bit with some body stuff with him and. Uh, trying to get a handle on what he wants and what he likes. Um, so overall, that's been good. Staying up to speed there. And just look forward to hearing his feedback, uh, being in Australia. And I think Allison and I will probably be going over there later in the year for for the Worlds. And uh, I'm looking forward to the race, not the trip. Yeah, that trip would be brutal. Yeah, it's it's like 20 hours on a plane. So it's like not something I'm really looking forward to. But yeah, hopefully we meet some of our listeners. We have listeners in Australia. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. We got I mean, it's it's going to be a going to be an awesome race. Can't wait. All right. Well, we'll let you we'll let you go and uh, get ready for that race this weekend. What, what's J Concepts shipping out as we currently speak? What do you got going out the door? New B6 stuff 
got the B6 aluminum uh, rear ball stud mount, got the new uh, shock towers, carbon fiber shock towers, releasing those. We had uh, another aluminum motor plate, uh, you know, kind of getting all the, you know, all the hop-ups we like to do for the car, getting those updated uh, for the latest version. Uh, that's kind of what we like to do there. Um, we got, like I said before, when we were talking with Kirby, we got three new bodies in the queue waiting on decals to get those released. Uh, well, I mean, we got have a lot of bodies in the queue. We, we more we we more have like six in the queue, but three mm. that are more like on deck. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, They're on the. Uh... So, get, getting ready to ship. Yeah, they're like on my uh, press release desktop, ready to go. Nice. And the other ones are, are uh, you know, so they're like in tech, ready to race. <laughs> and the other the other ones are still in the pits, but they're they know their race is coming up soon. <laughs> Ooh. So, I mean, we got it. some tire stuff going too. Mm-hmm. Uh, been kind of waiting to show any of, of our new tire stuff. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of cool new stuff going, but um, we're trying to get them as far along as possible before we show any of that stuff, but um, just been a good year so far. Keep an eye on jconcepts.net. There you go there for all the uh, latest releases and so forth. I'm sure you already knew that, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rich, is, Rich has been doing a good job keeping our website updated. Uh, I mean, if it been a while since you've been there. I mean, it's nice because you know we we keep the home page updated with new banners, race results. Yeah, um, I mean, we really try to put our latest releases. You know, we kind of have the main rotating uh, banner up front, but then underneath that, we've got three boxes that are like, uh, you know, we put new products there, uh, or if there's a special or something. Then below that, we also have our latest video or vlog on the right corner. Then on the left corner, we always have our latest news releases, press releases. And, you know, we're always, uh, we're, we're trying to be real active on our social media stuff, keep that up to date on Instagram. I've been doing more stories. Um, uh, somebody, somebody told me one day, uh, I don't know if somebody, either Allison or somebody, like, Let's do some stories. I started doing more stories. I was like, how do we do these? So, um, yeah, getting the stories updated on Instagram, not only for me personally, but also J Concepts. So it's been good. Been good. Been good. Awesome. All yeah, right. Check out that website. Check out that website. What, what, what website is that? Jconcepts.net. <laughs> Check out that events page. Rich has been updating the events page because we got a Memorial Day. Is it Memorial Day coming up? Yep. That's what's in there. Uh, Got a big event going on there uh, that he would just added to the events page. And like I said, J Concepts events where the powers explode and the fun begins. Yeah, that that was something I wrote uh, back in 2007. Power so, explodes so you, and the uh, fun begins. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all the info. Which right was here, kind of a, nice. a, a, 
which you can relate to. It, it was kind of a wrestling. an offshoot of the of the of wrestling where the yep. the mega powers explode. The mega powers. Because um, when I originally wrote it, um, it was for the Clash event, and we had Nitro and Electric at the same event, which was very ah. at the time uh, very. Unusual, I guess you could say it were. I don't want to say mm-hmm. we were the first, but we were definitely one of the first ones to have an event like that. And yeah, so it was uh, the J Concepts Clash where the powers explode, and then I think we added and the fun begins and yeah. wrote a press release or something. But because yeah, it was powers, right? We had the electric power and we had right. the nitro power. So yeah, I like it. Anything if you could cross the wrestling with the RC, I like it. So. Yeah, it's funny because I, uh, you know, so familiar with those, you know, those '80s days. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that stuff I wrote without even really realizing wh- what it was. You know. And later on, you're like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, has a little tie-in. Yeah. All right, well, there you have it. Jconcepts.net. Go there for all your info. Uh, don't forget to download the Anchor app on your phone to keep up with it. We'll, we'll post on Facebook when we're doing when we uploaded a show, so you can go on Anchor and listen to. I'm sure Anchor um, also notifies you when we upload a show. But uh, really cool. It's fun. Go in there. You can give us a clap. There's a little hand that claps, and I get a notification on my phone then each time a person claps the show. Not liking, but claps. And. Uh, Go give us one of those and um, tell your friends. And uh, it's a fun little show that we're doing called the Rip Drive Through. And um, what else? Facebook.com/slash Radio Impound. Give us a like. Give Jason a like over there at Jake Concepts, which he's already up to like seventy thousand or whatever. He doesn't need any more. Yeah, no, uh, we need as many as we can get. <laughs> yeah. All done, guys. Episode one seventy-two. It was fun. Thanks to Ron Sure. How does it? How does it go? The road to being on the show. The road to two hundred, and then we're done completely. It's over. Two <laughs> hundred's the last show. That's right. We'll see. <laughs> All right, fans. See about that. Yeah, we'll see about that. Who knows? Jason might. T- you know, I gotta. Jason might uh, put some. Um, Extra cannolis in my contract that make me come back for another five years <laughs> or something like that. There we go. Good. <laughs> All right. We'll see you, fans. Good luck. Uh, anybody going out to the J Concepts race this weekend? Kick some ass. Good luck. Have some fun. Go over there if you need any help. Jason is there to help you out. That's right. We'll figure it out. And uh, Jason will, will do what he can for you. Right, Jason? That's right. All right. So that is it. Thanks a lot for joining us, guys. 172 in the books. See ya.